Now, my text tonight is taken from 2 Samuel chapter 23 and the verse 15. And I'm just reading the one verse, 2 Samuel 23 verse 15. And David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. My subject tonight is lessons from the town of Bethlehem. And when we were in the land of Israel during the summer period, we saw signs that were pointing to Bethlehem. Bethlehem today, as in Old Testament times, was a Palestinian city. It's located in what is commonly called geographically the West Bank. Its position is 10 kilometers south of Jerusalem. It is a population of about 25,000. And this was the city, of course, where David was from. This was the city where David was crowned king. And of course the New Testament, as we've heard in our reading from Luke chapter 2, identifies Bethlehem as the place of Christ's birth, fulfilling the prophecy that Olivia read for us from Micah chapter 5 and 2, a prophecy 500 years old before Christ ever came. And this city that's inhabited today, mainly by Arabs, is one of the oldest professing Christian communities in the whole of the world. Sadly, that Christian community has shrank due to emigration. And of course, I was thinking about Christmas carols. I was thinking about those that were sung during the Christmas Eve, Christmas Day period by the German and British soldiers in no man's land during that truce of Christmas Day 1914 and my mind was thinking about this carol once in royal David's city and of course that's a favourite of mine and always has been simply because it, it mentions my name and of course that was written by Cecil Francis Alexander and Cecil Francis Alexander for those that you do not know was the wife of the bishop of Derry and Raffaut. And that hymn was actually written for little children to teach them the great doctrines of the faith. And it was based on the teaching of the, Christ, the Apostles' Creed, uh, Jesus Christ conceived of the Holy Ghost and born of the Virgin Mary. And of course, the children were asking um, Cecil Francis Alexander, um, well, where was he born, miss? And of course she was able to answer in Bethlehem. And then a little later she penned these words, Once in royal David's city stood a lonely cattle shed, where a mother led her baby in a manger for his bed. Mary was that mother mild, Jesus Christ, her little child. And I was thinking about this Christmas time, thinking about our traditional carol service, thinking about these carols, and this one came to mind. And then I was thinking about why she penned it. 
And of course, lessons from Bethlehem came to mind. Now, I have four things that I want to say. I'm going to say them very quickly. There's a well in Bethlehem. Isn't that what verse 15 of 2 Samuel 23 tells us? And David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. Now, that well in Bethlehem is a wonderful picture of Jesus Christ. A well in Bible times, as today, was a place of supply, a place of provision. It was a place that said, you can have your thirst quenched here. Even think of the name Bethlehem. The word Bethlehem means house of bread. Beth in the Hebrew means house. Lachem, it means bread. Put the two together. When you think of Bethlehem, think of a house of bread. Think of, uh, of, of provision there. Isn't it interesting that the old pilgrims from Christian times and before the birth of Christ, they went to Bethlehem and when they thought about Bethlehem, there was two things they wanted there. They wanted water out of its well because there was no water like it. And they wanted bread there. There, there was provision and supply. And of course, water and bread is two of life's most basic necessities, aren't they? Let's think of Jesus Christ. Do you know one of the titles for Jesus Christ in the Bible, Isaiah chapter 12 and 3, is called the well of salvation. Isn't that wonderful? And of course, he himself said, I am the bread of life, John 6 and 37. And we can go to Jesus Christ for heavenly water and heavenly bread. He's got a gift for us if we go to him. I was thinking about this word gift, G-I-F-T. I was reminded by a lady again this afternoon, just of a little acrostic on it. G reminds us of God's giving. And what did God give us? The greatest gift of all, his son. And his son is emblematic of heavenly water and living bread. Think of the letter I. It's an immense gift. There's none like it in the whole world. And here's David. And he's in this situation where he wants a drink of water. And there's no water that he wants more in all of the world than a drink of water from the well of Bethlehem. David, there's other wells. I don't want those other wells. I want this well of Bethlehem. You can get the picture. You see, this was an immense gift. And of course, there's no gift like the gift of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The miracle of his birth. The mystery of his birth. The mercy of his birth. The message of his birth. Think of the letter F. Free. It's without money and without price. Salvation, of course, is a free gift of God. It's not cheap. It had to be paid for. Jesus Christ paid salvation in full by the shedding of his blood. But to us, it's without money and without price. Think of the letter T. You take the gift. Now, it's coming up to Christmas Day. 
And some of you already have experienced the reception and the receiving of gifts. And when those gifts have been given, the, the person who's received it has said, thank you. And boys and girls, we would encourage you to say thank you for every gift that you receive. And of course, you know that you can't refuse a, lift, uh, a loved one, no matter how little or, or how um, small that gift may be. And see, if you did, you could hurt their feelings. They would be upset. In fact, they might even be a little bit angry. And let's lift it up into the highest realm. You think of God the Father. Offering the gift of God the Son to sinners. And then refusing him. And you think of how that makes God the Father feel. Of course he would be hurt and angry. Doesn't the Bible say, kiss the Son, Psalm 2 and 12, lest he be angry with you. And of course the kiss of, is that of adoration. The, the kiss is of submission. Under his reign, under his rule. I just want to ask you as you think about the word gift. And that's what David wanted. A gift from the well of Bethlehem. And Christ is the well. And if you go to him, you can receive the greatest gift of all. You can receive heavenly water. You can receive heavenly bread. Have you received his gift? This is what God has given. It's immense, it's free. And you can take it. Have you taken it by faith? Only you can answer. Notice quickly. There's water in Bethlehem. Isn't that what the text says? And David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me drink of the water. See, David's in the cave of Adullam. He's been put away from Jerusalem. He's separated from his family. David has loads in his mind. And I thought, I wonder what he's thinking about in the cave of Adullam. What's he got on his mind? And you know, the Bible tells us he only had one thing in his mind. And you know what it was? It was water. <coughs> water. And David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. See, he's not thinking about his palace. <coughs> he's not thinking about the trappings of office. Remember, he's the king. He's had to flee. He's not thinking of what it meant to be the ruler. He's just thinking of something that's common and basic to his need. A drink of cold water from the well of Bethlehem. As I've said, there's something about that water. We could ask tonight, well, where did that water come from? Who supplied it? Ultimately, the answer would have to be, God created the water in the well of Bethlehem. God supplied it. Do you know that 70% of this earth's surface is covered with water? Do you know that most of our body mass is made up of the bodily fluid of water? David knows. There's no water like the water of Bethlehem. He's got parched lips. He's got a thirst that isn't quenched. He's got a longing and a passion and a desire in his heart for that water. Now I want you to bear in mind, it's not like today. It's not like cold or near freezing because he's not in Northern Ireland. He's probably enjoying temperatures of about 35 or 40 degrees Celsius. Lovely weather. 
shorts and sandals and, and, and a t-shirt. I remember the Reverend Goods phoning me one time and he was in Perth, Australia. Uh, it's Christmas Day. The good day, Dave. Uh, what are you at? And I'm trying to explain to him uh, what I'm doing and what the weather's like. And he says, I'm just down here and I'm at the beach and I'm licking a lolly and it's Christmas Day. And I thought, you know, there's an enviousness rising up in me to, to enjoy the heat of uh, that type of climate. But here's David in a hot climate and his mouth is dry and he's got a longing and a passion for water. There's a water in Bethlehem. And do you know something? Now here's an interesting thing. That well with that water is there to this day. And there's still pilgrims go to Bethlehem after all this time just to drink the water there. You see, water is a symbol of the word of God. Didn't the Lord Jesus say to his disciples, Now you're clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. The Bible talks in Ephesians 5 about the, the washing of regeneration or the washing of the new birth through the word. The Bible talks about being born again through the word. And if you're here tonight and your soul is dry and spiritually you're a needy person and the Holy Spirit has created a longing and a thirst within you, then we point you to Jesus Christ, the well of salvation. And we say to you, go to him and drink. And remember he says to the woman at the well, who asked him, give me this water that I may drink. And he encouraged her to take of the water that he was offering, because he said that she would never thirst again in a spiritual sense. Now that's my duty as a preacher to point you to Jesus Christ, the water of life. It's my duty to bring to you the word of God. Isn't it a tragedy today that there's churches where there isn't a pointing to the well of salvation? Where there's no mention of souls, needy souls drinking of the water of life? Oh yes, there's a poem. Yes, there's a little talk. Yes, there's a story about this, that and the other. But there's no pointing to Christ as the living incarnate word and urging needy sinners to drink of the living water of his salvation. Jesus said, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And you think of the many today that long for joy and satisfaction and peace and hope and happiness in the world. I was reading in the Daily Mail this week about what they called Mad Friday and um, young people out reveling and, uh, and uh, putting themselves into a drunken stupor and falling all about the street and getting into all sorts of um, daft situations. Well, why are they doing it? Of course, there's pleasure in sin for a season. It's because they know nothing of Christ. They've no longing for him. They've never tasted of the water of life. And salvation tonight, and you know it, is not in a church. It's not in a creed. It's not in a clergyman. It's in Christ. It's taking the water of life from Christ, the well of salvation. It's going to drink from him. Have you that longing tonight? 
Oh, that we had that spiritual thirst for the word. Maybe I could just add this at Christmas time. Do you know, I, I feel that we've lost, in a sense, the appetite for the word of God. And even a, a spiritual appetite for Christ himself. That there's been a cooling. That there's, there's been a, a, a neglecting to be mindful that we need to long for him. Isn't this what the psalmist experienced? The very one who thirsted for the, the water from the well of Bethlehem. Isn't this what he says in Psalm uh, 42 and in the um, first verse? He, he, he says, my, As the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Thirsting for God. That's one of the signs that we're healthy. One of the signs that the Holy Spirit's at work. But if there's no thirst, if there's no longing for God, if there's a carelessness and an apathy and a lack of interest in these things, then what does it say about the true state and condition of our soul? Notice thirdly, and I want to point this out very quickly, that there's, there's a wickedness in Bethlehem. If you think of the context, let me just read verse 14 of 2 Samuel 23. And David was then in a hold, the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. A garrison of the Philistines, then in Bethlehem. And do you know that Bethlehem's in the West Bank? And it's still under Palestinian national authority control to this day. That was uh, allowed by the Oslo Agreement um, way back in, I think it was at 1996, uh, with uh, the uh, Jewish government. But here's the point. There's a wickedness in Bethlehem. You think of our world tonight, and isn't it full of wickedness? And isn't it in towns and cities and villages, almost to, to this understanding it's become like a cesspool of iniquity? Let me just illustrate very quickly. In the CBBC, which is a children's program, a boy called Leo, formerly known as Lily, a boy who was born a girl, now a boy. And that was broadcast on the children's program. The CBs, as they're known. And I thought, what typical BBC propaganda to confuse the children. And that boy in that program talked along with his mother about how uh, he had uh, been given hormone therapy to to stop her developing naturally as a girl, to force a, a, a body change so that that girl could develop into a boy. You couldn't make it up. Do you know that in Boxing Day, one of the films that's going to be on television, and I certainly won't be watching it, I don't encourage you to watch it either, the boy in a dress. And that ties into the transgender movement. And I'm telling you this for this reason at Christmas time, so we can pray against it. I believe that at this time the BBC is a propaganda agent for the devil. 
And we have in cities and we have in towns right across the United Kingdom and throughout the world, even in Bethlehem to this day, individuals doing that which is right in their own eyes. And let me just say this before we judge them. We're really no better outside of Christ, apart from the saving grace of God. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What do we need? We need a saviour. There is a saviour from all sin in Jesus Christ. We need the Christ of Bethlehem. We need to worship Christ the Lord. We need to fall down and adore him. Doesn't the Bible tell us in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. And before we judge, and before we say, isn't that so wrong? And there's many things that are wrong in society. Let's look at our own heart. And let's start with ourselves and let's seek to know that we have received God's forgiveness of our own sins and our sins are under the blood and Christ is our Lord and Saviour and our hatred of sin is because of our love for Christ. You see, there's a wickedness in Bethlehem, a garrison of the Philistines there. And one final thing, you'll be glad to hear that. One final thing, there are warriors in Bethlehem. Look at verse 16. It says, And the three mighty men brake through the host of the Philistines, and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate, and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink thereof, but poured it out unto the Lord. You see, David had 30 crack men with him. And out of those 30... Three mighty men, like a crack unit, like the SAS, the special forces, top soldiers, children. They're the bravest of the brave. And these three acted together. They, they stood and fought together. They, they, they sacrificed together. They risked life and limb. They broke through the garrison of the Philistines. They went to that well. They drew out the water and they brought it back to David. All to provide a gift of water for the king. What the king wanted and required, they were prepared to sacrifice everything for the king. Now notice what the king does as we finish. When they bring in the water, you would think, David would have said, that's great. Thanks, man. I'm going to drink it now. I'll drink your health. Well done. But the Bible says he wouldn't drink it. But poured it out unto the Lord in other words he presented it to the Lord and the offering to the Lord was a common thing just water not something of great value or great price it was just a common thing I wonder tonight what we're willing to do for the Lord as Christmas time approaches as the year closes and 2015 opens, will we be like these three men and stand and work and sacrifice together for the glory of God that we might present an offering to our God and let our God do with the offering that pleases him in his sight. We have very little to give. But we can give ourselves. And the Bible talks about giving yourself first to the Lord. And that shows our devotion. That shows our love. 
That shows our loyalty, our attendance at the services, our, our devotion to the prayer meeting, our study of the scriptures, our speaking for Christ. It all shows our love and loyalty to him. I leave this thought with you. Bethlehem, the place where Christ was born. Just remember the well of salvation was born there. Just remember the water of life is there. Remember the wickedness that's there. Let's pray against it. But remember the warriors that are needed to provide an offering for the king. And will you be one of those warriors? Will you offer to the Lord that which the Lord desires and requires? May the Lord bless these few thoughts to your heart this evening.